grab onto the wheel, fasten your seatbelts, and step on the gas. WebmasterRadio.fm is going to take you on the ride of your life. You've just stepped off the curb into Rush Hour. Your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron, will take you on a fast-paced adventure through the high-tech metropolis known as social media, blogs, social networks, marketing, and more. Around every corner are the tools you'll need for marketing through the social web. Now, the light is green, but stay right where you are because you're in Rush Hour. Hi, everybody. Today is Wednesday, February 14th, and this is the second episode of Rush Hour. I'm your host, Neil Patel, with Cameron Oltius, and today we have a special guest, Brian Clark from Copyblogger. How are you, Brian? I'm doing fine, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So can you give a quick background on yourself for uh, all the listeners? Um, you mean starting at birth, or? <laughs> uh, yeah, life story, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, most people know me from my blog, Copy Blogger, which I started uh, a little over a year ago. It's basically about copywriting, which is basically writing to influence or persuade someone to take some kind of action. Um, but I really started it uh, and saw the opportunities to use copywriting in social media and on blogs to not only get attention, but to build readership and traffic, etc., Cool. Yeah. So uh, your your blog's pretty popular, and you know you've been writing on a lot of great stuff. And your growth rate in the last year, you've blogged for almost a year, right? Or has it been a little more than a year? Yeah, just slightly more than a year. Yeah. So your your growth is really fast. You're almost as popular as Pro Blogger, which is another great blog by uh, Darren, and it's not on the same thing, but it's somewhat similar, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, I guess my my blog is applicable um, to anyone who's using a blog in a in a commercial sense. Whether you are trying to make money directly from a blog, like ProBlogger focuses on, or um, mainly in the business blogging areas, such as, for example, you know, professionals such as attorneys or or realtors or anyone who owns a small business, um, it's really a phenomenal way to to uh, get noticed on the web, build an authority website, and uh, eventually convert it into sales and, and new customers. So, uh, how did your blog get so popular? I mean, is there anything that you would that you can attribute to your success or anything you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I use the techniques that I teach. <laughs> I basically, uh, you know, the, the whole premise of the blog is that copywriting um, – can help you get attention via headlines and, um, you know, the things that you write about. Basically, it's about how you say certain things, whether it be the title of a blog post or um, the way you structure the content on the page. It, it can make a big difference in how you're perceived and how many people will actually pay attention to what you've written. Now, the other part of that, of course, is what you have to say in the first place. I mean, if you have nothing to say, how you say it's not really going to help you. But there's plenty of people who have great content and they don't get noticed because they write obscure post titles or, uh, you know, they're not exactly writing about things that are focused on the benefit to the reader as opposed to themselves. Like, blogging has this history of being, like, a personal journal, and 
us who've gotten into it from a more of a commercial angle realize that it's it's an incredible business tool but in when you look at it that way you've got to focus on what the readers are interested in not about your cat or what you had for dinner last night yeah it's some pretty crazy stuff you're talking about headlines and copywriting and how everything's perceived and stuff like that how does that all affect social media? Because I know you've been on, is it like Dig, Reddit, a few of those sites a couple times, and how do headlines and copywriting play into effect with those sites? Well, basically, and I think you you know this as well, but um, you know, being on Dig, a lot of times the success of a particular post and how much traffic you get will depend on mainly the headline and the description. And, you know, if... if you're writing a blog or it, really any web page, but if you have a killer headline and a killer opening paragraph and, you know, a, a dig user, especially a top dig user comes along um, and likes what you've written and can cut and paste directly from your post and, and have a dig submission, then everyone benefits because, you know, people who submit to social media sites like for their submissions to do well. And, of course, that's what you're interested in, too. So, But it goes, it goes really beyond that. I mean, you know, when you're trying to catch the attention of other bloggers to get them to link to you, or you're just trying to get your own RSS subscribers to pay attention to what you've written, I mean, we don't realize that just because someone has signed up for your blog that you think they're going to read everything you write, but most of the time they don't because they scan pretty ruthlessly, especially in RSS readers. So it's all about getting someone's attention. And, and the key, some people get attention in, in less than positive ways, uh, and that doesn't always translate into business success. But if you can get attention by focusing on what the readers are interested in, ultimately you should be able to convert that into sales. And that's whether you've got an affiliate site or a small business or even an advertising-supported site. Now, in one of your posts last week, I believe it was the, do you uh, dig this headline? Mm-hmm. You you kind of hit on the point of the importance of, like, an opening paragraph in, a, in, like, a post or a story or an article or whatever. So maybe do you want to expand on that a little bit as well? Well, yeah, that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, that post was on another side of mine. And... Um, you know, we weren't even trying to get on the Dig homepage, you know, and sometimes we do try, you know, it's no secret. Um, but, um, you know, that that was just an accident, and a top uh, Dig user came along, saw the post, it was about a, it was a video post, and, uh, you know, it just had a headline and an opening that was perfect for that person to cut and paste and submit it to Dig. And the ironic thing was, from a news standpoint, the video wasn't really news. I mean, it was useful. It was about a kismet, um, the plugin that stops comment spam for blogs. But it wasn't news per se, and still it did very well on Dig and went to the, the homepage. So a lot of times uh, people are influenced by the headline itself. If it's captivating enough, they'll dig it first and then go visit the site. And that can really lead to some spectacular results. So a lot of the listeners actually are very interested in Dig, Netscape, all these sites, and they want to get on the homepage. Granted, it's about providing value and not trying to spam these social sites and you know, creating 50 accounts or whatever to get on there. 
And I right. know you've written something in the past that was like on, was it headline tips or something, like five of them or surefire tips or it was some headline tips. And yeah, I, I know headlines a, make a... Yeah, and headlines make a really big difference, right? Because I've seen certain times with my blog where someone random will take a, like a random post that's not even dig-worthy, but switch over the title and, let's say, the description and make it really funny, such as, hey, and there was a post, like I was talking about how someone was spamming dig, and they did over 300 submissions and no one made the homepage, or none of them did. And it was like right. a market wire or a PR company. And then someone took one of the titles, and from the post, and they're like, Hey son, if you can't get 300, you know, submissions to the homepage, you're a retard or you're dumb or something like that. <laughs> right. Playing to the, the homepage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, getting if if you're going to you some people think that you just write anything in the headline to get attention, but you know, the dig crowd can be very brutal. So if your content is not relevant to your title, they'll bury you right away for being misleading. I mean, they're not going to put up with it. So it's not about just creating a sexy headline. Um, the headline has to be tied to the content. So, you know, it's it's we, we say it over and over that you start with, with content, you know, and, and it can be anything. It can be funny or it can be useful or you know, what have you. It just has to be something that the crowd is interested in. So, you know, people who want to get on the Dig homepage need to spend time at Dig and figure out what people are interested in. And if you have a, a blog or website that that could tie into one of those angles, then you just have to figure out how to develop something. Um, but but from there, getting the, the headline you know, you can't put a bland headline or no one's really going to pay attention. And you can't have a boring description. Um, so you, the uh, the uh, headline templates that you mentioned, those were in two separate, basically put together a uh, list of ten and then seven kind of classic headlines. And these are from decades ago for the most part. And they still work today because they're just, headline structures that tend to arouse curiosity and demonstrate to the reader what you're interested in. So, you know, you look at some of these templates, and they were used in advertisements in the 1940s, but they still work because it's just human psychology. Not, human psychology hasn't changed just because we're in social media now and just because we're online instead of offline. And I think as soon as people realize that, kind of opens up their minds to a whole lot of different things that they can use as far as strategy. Got it, yeah. Um, Jim actually just posted that article into the Webmaster Radio chat room. It was, I believe, it's 10 surefire headline formulas that work. Right. And, and number one is like, who else wants blank or, you know, the secret of blank. Here's a method that is helping blank to blank. Right. And, and you see a lot of these type of things, you know, and these are basically alternatives to the list post, you know, or top 10 reasons why Apple is better than Microsoft, you know, whatever. And another popular headline structure is how to, um, you know, there's a lot of people in advertising who say you can't really write a bad how to headline. Um, but the, the secret is what you put after how to is the most important part. 
but how-to works, list, list work, and you see those all the time on Dig. So I basically wrote that post and another one just to point out to people, here's some other, you know, kind of strategies that uh, also work. But you just have to make sure that you're matching up the actual content well with the headline you choose. Because it's it's the words that you stick in between those, you know, kind of basic templates that, that make the difference. You know, if it's a subject that no one cares about, it doesn't matter how well you dress it up. That totally makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Now, like going back to you mentioned the top ten list and things like that, something that I've seen a lot lately is people are like calling the death of the top ten list, saying that it's been played out, you know, and they're eventually going to go away and not work anymore. What What are your thoughts on that? Do you think they're going to continue to work? Or? Well, they've, they've been working for over 100 years, and people always say that. You know, you, you have people in in Madison Avenue advertising firms that say those type of headlines are cliches, and yet they still work. You know, it to people that pay a lot of attention to this stuff, they're the ones who will always say it's going to die. You know, like Jason Calacanis will say, the list post is dead. Well, you know, that's because, Jason, you used them up to death on Weblogs, Inc. But that doesn't mean they still won't work. So, again, human psychology doesn't change. Some people will become desensitized to it. Now, that's a different issue. It just depends on um, the market you're aiming at and the community you're aiming at. So, you know, I've been watching Dig intently for a year now, and I still see you know, list posts making it to the front page every day. Oh, yeah. I'm not, yeah, sure. I'm not sure how much I trust that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's good, to, it's good to, to mix it up, <clears throat> which is why um, I put out those those headline template posts, you know, because they take, they're just 17 different other approaches that tend to work. Sure. Well, cool. This is a great time to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll be back shortly. Rush Hour will be speeding right back after these commercial messages. Hang on. Marketing payouts lacking green, leaving you seeing red? Get your business in the black with NeverBlueAds.com. Sign up with NeverBlueAds.com today and earn an additional $200 for the first $200 generated. Get ready to flash those pearly whites with unique campaigns, real-time stats, great personal service, and high payouts on time every month from NeverBlueAds.com. Results for advertisers, income for affiliates, everybody wins with a better marketing experience from NeverBlueAds.com. Generating buzz for your company is essential and now easier than ever with PaperPost, the consumer-generated advertising network. Our powerful network of bloggers at PaperPost will creatively expose your product or service through original link-generated ads and embedding video or audio on their sites. Launch your viral marketing campaigns with confidence and enjoy increased traffic with higher conversion rates only through PaperPost. Visit PaperPost.com and join the revolution. Have you heard that content is king? Yeah, what's that mean? I don't even have a clue. Hmm. 
Wonder if that's important. Important? Search engine optimized web content is essential. Essential for maximizing page rank. Essential for increasing sales. GetWebContent.com is the internet's foremost provider of custom written search engine optimized copy. GetWebContent.com is easy to access and ultra cost effective. Right now, copy is indeed king. And GetWebContent.com is the king of copy. Check it out today. Slam on your brakes. You've just reached your final destination. Rush Hour on webmasterradio.fm. Now, back to your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron. Hi, everybody. We're back, and we're talking about uh, how how-to guys and lists are, you know, people are saying that they're potentially becoming dead and they're being, you know, being used every day on Dig, Delicious, and all these sites, and they're getting old. And Brian was discussing his viewpoint on how they still work, they're still effective, they've been used for hundreds of years, and, you know, they're still great. And I actually agree with you, Brian, and and he was talking about how he has 17, is it, in total? Yeah, uh, headlines yeah I think that I believe. two separate posts, there's, uh, there was a follow-up that had seven more. I guess I should probably do more of those. They've been some of the most popular posts I've done. <laughs> No, they're actually good. I use uh, the Surefire Tips one quite a bit, like that actual headline, you know, 10 Surefire Tips to blah, Yeah, Surefire blah, blah, blah. Is, is a good one. Um, the one you mentioned, who else wants to, you know, that works because of something called social proof. It implies that other people are doing it or have done it, and therefore you should too. It, you know, basically, copywriting and headlines and, and whatnot are all tied into basic human psychology. And the cool thing is that a lot of these, um, a lot of things have been tested through advertising, um, and they've been proven to work by making it, you know, millions of dollars. So you can usually trust certain combinations of words, certain structures, to do the job for you when it comes to something like social media. Now, whether or not ultimately you can convert those people into money, of course, is a whole different ballgame. And that's actually a very interesting topic. A lot of people have been saying that sites like Dig and Netscape, you know, they drive a lot of visitors, but do those visitors really convert into anything? What are your experiences from that? Because you've gotten on these sites and gotten a lot of visitors from them, but have they actually even converted into anything, or what do you even consider a conversion for your blog? Yeah, um... I would say that I don't look at Dig specifically as a uh, as a conversion mechanism at all. I mean, every time I'm on the Dig homepage, you know, I'll I'll get a bit, you know, a decent spike in RSS subscribers that usually, you know, goes away in a day or so. Not totally, you know, but certainly there's other sources that are much better. Now, like if you get a link from something like Lifehacker or another blog, a big blog in, in a related niche, you're going to get a whole bunch more subscribers. And those are the people long-term that will probably convert into business for you, whatever your business model is. But what I like Dig for are links, and uh, it, it tends to be a catalyst for delicious and I really like Delicious. Um, those That traffic is much more sticky, um, higher quality, less mean. <laughs> um, you know, d- 
I, I am a big fan of delicious bookmarks. That's kind of an, an enduring traffic source while dig, you know, the dig happens, it's huge, and then it's over. Um, but 100, 200, 500 delicious bookmarks, each one of those is a little link that, you know, if you go and look in your logs over time, if you, if you are on delicious quite a bit, you'll see traffic coming through there, and it's always going to happen. I mean, sites like Delicious are like little mini search engines when you think about it. People go through there. They see what their friends have bookmarked. They do searches. Um, delicious categories are starting to rank well in search engines. <clears throat> so, you know, um, Dig can be a catalyst for a lot of important things. The backlinks, of course, are crucial for SEO um, getting the delicious thing going, you end up on the delicious popular page after you've been on the dig homepage. And I, I think that traffic is much more of, of a higher quality, but without the dig, it wouldn't have happened. You know, sometimes a big blog can link to you and the delicious effect will kick in as well. It depends on what type of post you've written, obviously. You know, if you're, some things are not bookmarkable because no one really needs to come back to them. So you, you want to think about creating resources that people find useful enough um, that they may want to come back to in the future. And you bring up actually a very interesting point with the delicious and getting on the popular page as well as the hot list, which is the home page. A lot of people have that little, is it like, a I believe, a delicious widget on their own blog where it actually Absolutely. shows all the latest stuff that they've been bookmarking. So like right. you said, if you get on the delicious popular page and let's say, I don't know, thousands of people bookmark it, there's a good chance a lot of those people actually had that little widget on their blog, which also, you know, can increase your backlinks because all those blogs will potentially link to you. It won't last forever because the more they bookmark, you know, they're going to end up going away, but it's a good source yeah. of links. And yeah, you're absolutely you right. And I've found that, you know, again, Dig is a catalyst that leads to some backlinks on its own. But because of the delicious widget and the, the tendency for a lot of bloggers to just publish what they've bookmarked, um, you actually might get more backlinks from from delicious. So I'm a big fan of delicious. Yeah, same here. And you also brought up another interesting point about Lifehacker and some of these big blogs on how they convert a lot better. How would you go about, let's say, potentially even getting on a Lifehacker? Well, I you know, there's no magic to that. I don't think, um, other than just writing something that you that might fit into their demographic. But um, you know, for me, it's it's not been anything that I've been able to, to plan or be strategic about. It's more often um, you you just wrote something really good. Um, Lifehacker has a tip tip your editor section. Um, but I've never had anything published when there was a tip submitted. I've always, it's always been when someone else prominent linked to, you know, it's, it's kind of like the rich get richer. I remember back uh, last spring, 37 Signals linked to my Copywriting 101 tutorial, and then Lifehacker followed up from there because they trust 37, you know. Um, so, you know, it, that's a, that is a tricky game, and, and it takes you back to, you got to be making the best content that you can, um, so that big, high-profile blogs like that will will take notice. Yeah, I think that's also another thing that Dig is a good catalyst for. A lot of times, I've noticed that a lot of these big blogger, bloggers like Lifehacker, uh, Steve Rubel, 
and whatnot, they'll, you know, I mean, they obviously keep track of the dig homepage and things like that. So if you have a story that gets on there, that can be a great catalyst for them to to see that, notice it, pick it up, write about it, and then link to you from that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, I mean, a lot of what um, makes it to the dig homepage is is just going to come and go. But you're right. People do monitor um, what's going on there. And um, if you can bring something to someone's attention that you might not otherwise have had the, the chance to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and Delicious it helps with that, too. I notice a lot of the big people use Delicious for and Cameron actually bring up a great point about the whole dig and a lot of people watching, and same with you, Brian. With our blog, Pronet Advertising, we try to get on, let's say, you know, we all want the links and we want press and we want PR. And a lot of times it just happens when you don't expect it. Like you said, the rich get richer. Um, someone knows where he links to you, then someone else picks it up. And what happened with us, we always wanted to get on blogs like Micro Persuasion with Steve Rubell, and it never really happened. But we got on dig one time, and... Sooner or later, he linked to it, and then he's like, hey, this is one of my favorite blogs. He added it to his technology favorites and stuff like that, and it was all just luck and, you know, just from one dig and would have never expected it. But you hit up the guy and you email him, it's probably not going to go as well compared to if he finds it himself, finds something that he likes. Cause he's like, hey, if thousands of people voted on it for on dig, it must be something really good. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's really so fascinating about the whole social media scene. I mean, as long as you're participating and you keep at it, you're going to get noticed. You know, again, go back to got to be producing something good. Um, but, you know, if if you're doing that and you keep at it, people will notice. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes, especially when you try to promote yourself, um, especially just straight up, like emailing someone, it doesn't always work. And, you know, I've only, I did one really big promotional push, and that was early on when I started my blog. I released a 30-page uh, a PDF called Viral Copy, and it's basically about what we're talking about, um, writing things that, that get attention and get links. And so I, you know, and I really hate doing um, just massive self-promotion, but I knew it was necessary for that. I basically emailed everyone. <laughs> everyone that was a prominent player and it, it was fairly successful um lots of people ignored me but a few prominent people didn't and that was really a big turning point so i, I would just tell people that are new or you know not getting the level of attention that um, they need just to keep at it suck it up and and do some promotion and just keep focusing on thinking about what's an angle that's going to you know, get the audience excited about what it is that I'm I'm writing. But ultimately, I think you've got to write ultimately with your, your business goals in mind. You know, again, it all comes back to conversion. You can get all the links and everything else in the world, but until you're meeting your business objectives. So there's got to be some congruency. I know I see people who go way off topic and they'll write something that they know will do well on dig and it does and it brings in some links and i i can appreciate doing it for the links you know because it's hard to get links to a site um and and to build up authority so i don't have a problem with that um but the the best of both worlds would be for the content strategy to be totally congruent with what your end goal is so you're attracting you know 
before I really ranked well in the search engines for for Copyblogger, I had was well on my way to having a, a good size audience because everything I wrote was designed to attract subscribers. And then when the search engine you know rankings came, that I, I didn't have to wait on that. And that's what's cool about social media. Yes, it's great to get all these links because that's the only way you're going to be visible in Google. But even if that never happened, if you follow these strategies correctly, you're you're going to have traffic and you're going to have readership, um, no matter what. So that that's kind of cool because I, I think you both know that, you know, having all your eggs in the Google basket can be a scary proposition when you wake up one morning after an algorithm change and you're invisible. Yeah. As far as uh, refers go to your blog, what's what's the comparison? of, let's say, the amount of traffic that Google brings to your site versus, like, Dig, Delicious, and other social media sites? Is Dig, like, or, I mean, is Google one of the highest referrers for you, or do the social social media sites bring a lot of traffic, or maybe you want to break that down for us? Um, I haven't looked in a while. Um, Google, you know, up until, I think, Rand of, of SEO Moz asked this question, you know, last year, and I was, like, at less than 5% search engine traffic, and I had... You know, all my traffic was from StumbleUpon and Dig and other big prominent blogs and, you know, actually a lot of smaller blogs too, you know, smaller amounts of traffic, but when it was aggregated, it, you know, added up. Um, and it wasn't until about September that the search engine ranking started to kick in and they went up a little bit. And then by the end of the year, um, that the percentage has gone up much higher. Actually, Neil came in and tweaked some things that I was too lazy to do myself. <laughs> but also he, he did some things that I wasn't aware of, uh, which was cool. Um, so my blog at that point um, started getting a lot more long-tail search traffic. And uh, I, I'd have to go back and look and see what the percentage is now, but it was a noticeable increase at that point. So I, you know, Combined with those tweaks and, and passing the year in blogging, Mark, because I don't post as much as some people do. You know, I'll probably do three or four posts a week, not three or four a day. Um, so overall, I have probably less content um, on my blog than some, but I've always focused on quality and maximizing uh, the value and the link uh, return on it. Cool. So I think it's perfect time to go to a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a bit. Rush Hour will be speeding right back after these commercial messages. Hang on. Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh, really? I don't like fishing with a pole. Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. And they make you look smart. If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart Advertising Solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. 
Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. you got to work with Value Click Media. i got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Value Click Media. Click Tracks, all new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Slam on your brakes. You've just reached your final destination. Rush Hour, Rush hour. on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, now, back to your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron. Hi, everybody. We're back. And uh, we're here with Brian Clark from Copyblogger. If you guys have any questions for him or Cameron and I, you can, you know, leave a message in the chat room or you can call us at 866-345-6631 and you can be placed on the podcast with us and we can answer any of your questions. So, um, Brian, you've actually been writing a book, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Well, essentially I've been writing a book on the blog. Um, So it's just all a big mess. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not in any kind of coherent order. But, uh, yeah, I, I basically have, I, I started the blog, you know, with a basic premise that uh, copywriting skills were kind of crucial to blogging and, and social media because, number one, it helps you attract attention. That's what copywriting has always been about, attracting attention, getting people to read, and then converting them into a sale. Um, you know, uh, Again, these the same thing can uh, can apply to someone who is depending on AdSense or um, other forms of advertising in the attention area. But uh, if you're a, a business blogger or uh, affiliate marketing blogger, then you also need to add in the element of conversion as well. So that was the basic idea that I came up with when I when I conceived of the blog back in. Uh, December of 2005, I launched it in January of 2006, and I just started writing, and it was really cool because you, you can see what works and, what, and how people respond in real time um, by kind of blogging a book, so to speak. Um, not that you, can to- you can't totally rely on what other people, how they respond, because, of course, you know, most of the time people don't necessarily know exactly what they want, um, but it was invaluable to be able to see what people were interested in, mostly. So basically, from being able to do that, I've uh, I've kind of figured out a focus for this first book, uh, or it's probably going to be the last book. I'm not, probably not going to do any more <laughs> um, PDFs as far as um, products or whatnot after this one. But um, uh, hopefully I'll be done with it 
soon. Uh, it's the editing part that's going to be a big pain. Yeah, it's probably going to take quite a while, and I don't know how long it is. Is it something that's short, long, a couple hundred pages, or...? It's probably going to be a couple hundred pages, which is probably almost too long, but that's my my guess. Um, you know, it's just going to be a basic comprehensive approach to what it takes to have a blog that gets noticed, um, gets links, gets subscribers, and ultimately makes you money. We uh, actually just have some questions in the Webmaster Radio chat room. So uh, have- yeah, we do. Uh- Jim asked a question. Can you? His question is: Can you advise on how to find a good copywriter? Do you look for English majors, marketing majors? Do you search like Craigslist, Monster, and how much do you think a good copywriter is worth salary-wise? So it's a good question. Huh. Um, salary-wise, it sounds like he wants to hire someone in-house. As far as the first part of the question, um, it's more. The, the ideal copywriter is a salesperson who can write, not uh, a creative writing major or necessarily an English major. Um, like David Ogilvy said, you know, famously that he he didn't even know the rules of grammar, but he knew how to he knew how to sell because he knew how to identify the benefit to the audience and present it to him in a creative way or in a compelling way, actually. So. It's more important that people understand what motivates people to take action. You know, it, you need to know why people do the things they do. What kind of buttons can you push, uh, psychological triggers, as they're called, um, and how to best do that with your words. As far as how much you should pay, it, it's interesting because, you know, there are tons of people out there that sell you know, freelance writing services for nothing, and that generally that's what you're going to get in return. And then the top copywriters charge ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars for you know a sales page or a uh, a website, and they're worth every penny because you know the owners will convert that into hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. So it's a hard question. I don't work cheap, so you probably don't want to talk to me. Um, what what is what is your background? How did you get into copywriting? Uh, I um, I was st- practice law for well, I'm still an attorney, but I don't practice. I haven't for quite a while. Um, during the uh, '90s, you know, at '97 when the first internet boom started, um, I got caught up in all of that down in Austin, and it was kind of a weird thing because I was publishing online already um, with e-zines, which are basically the precursor to blogs. And um, I, you know, I was advising these startup companies on internet marketing and legal issues. It was totally bizarre. Um, but it was, a, it was a great time, and then it all kind of fell apart um, in 2000. And from there, I just started using internet marketing to build offline businesses like, you know, real estate was huge in the first half of this decade, and that is pretty much what I focused on in addition to, you know, doing web-only projects. But the key to all of that from the beginning was how you wrote and, you know, basically copywriting. And I I just studied everything I could get my hands on uh, because I thought it was a fascinating subject, and it works. I mean, it's 
information marketing is extremely effective. Uh, it's really the only way you can market online. I mean, people tune out banner ads, you know, even AdSense is starting, you know, people are starting to recognize that those text links are, even though they're more relevant, um, people aren't as easily duped into clicking on them. But if you can use smart content that essentially provides a benefit to the reader but is also educating them into becoming your customer or client, that's a total win-win situation. And that's what people are looking for online. They're not looking for advertisements necessarily. They're looking for information. Now, you know, of course, in the pay-per-click arena, you can still do very well with people searching for targeted products um, if, you're, if you're smart about that. But, you know, web businesses or uh, professionals or small businesses, they need to have content in order to rank in the search engines and to really just engage the interest of, of people. So I've been doing that since 97, and it's all about writing and getting people, uh, you know, hooked into what you're, what you're about. And that's what copywriting is. Very cool. Thanks for that. Uh, we have some more questions questions coming in from the chat room. Uh, Lindemann asks, can you can you recommend some uh, copywriting books or maybe tell us some books that, that you own or that have helped you get to where you are? Yeah, there is a um, there's a link on the sidebar of my blog that goes called Copywriting Books. Let me pull that up and look at some of them. But yeah, I, I think I own I own just about everything um, in the copywriting world, and uh, it seems like overkill. But the interesting thing about that is, you can read the same essential truth um, over and over and over again, and and it'll be a certain writer who makes you have that aha moment, you know. And I found that to be true because I remember the first time I read a book on copywriting, it made sense, but it didn't really didn't click but um, the books I recommend um, like a, a great starter book is called Advertising Secrets of the Written Word that's by a guy named Joe Sugarman now Joe uh, was a famous direct marketer and he made a fortune before the sharper image era he made a fortune off selling gadgets and stuff like that and then he sold those blue blocker sunglasses and just got insanely rich but his book is basically you know, if you go back and read some of the older copywriters like Dave, David Ogilvy or um, Eugene Schwartz, which is like a, the guy's a master, all Joe is doing is basically teaching you the things those guys taught, but he, he does it in a more up-to-date and modern way, you know. Because, like, you go back and read Eugene Schwartz, and that's like the Bible for copywriting, but he wrote in the 60s, and it's very hard for people to understand when maybe, you know, you're just coming out of school and you're 25 years old or something and you're trying to get through this dense text. It's, it's kind of difficult. So I recommend that book, even though he really lives on kind of the shoulders of guys who came before him. Um, if you want to look at um, one of the older guys, there's one called Tested Advertising Methods by a guy named John Caples. Um, that's been updated by an editor, so it's easier to read. But, you know, again, it's kind of like timeless wisdom. Um, there's a good book by a guy named Mark Joyner called The Irresistible Offer, and it really 
analyzes what it takes to, you know, it's kind of tied in subject matter wise. I don't know if you guys have heard or heard about the new book Made to Stick, which is kind of a riff on Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point. All these books are kind of related in that they're all about, you know, what does it take to have an idea or an offer that resonates with the public. And like, so this Irresistible Offer book talks about Domino's Pizza and how they broke through in that very competitive industry with their 30 minutes or it's free for home delivery. And also like FedEx, when it absolutely positively has to be there tomorrow. I mean, we take those things for granted now, but at the time, both of those concepts were revolutionary. And that's the kind of, you gotta, it's kind of like you have to adopt some lateral thinking to, in order to stand out. And that's really at the core of what you're trying to do. Because you can't just say the same thing that everyone else is saying, whether it be offline business or in social media. You have to find a new angle that catches people's attention and delivers value to them. Cool. Um, thanks for the input. There's, you've been providing a lot of great input, actually, Brian. What we're going to do is we have a couple more questions in the chat room, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. Rush Hour will be speeding right back after these commercial messages. Hang on. Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper. Sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive WebmasterRadio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at Adobe or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Best of the Web, the Internet's oldest directory, BOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web finding quality sites, providing users with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No kidding. And don't forget the Best of the Web's reseller program with the industry's highest commissions, 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web learning how to monetize your domains zero dollars listening to affiliate marketing tips on your ipod zero dollars getting the latest search news on your cell phone zero dollars listening to dave N talk about garlic breath well worthless webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere Just reach your final destination, Rush Hour, Rush Hour. on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, now, back to your Rush Hour hosts, Neil and Cameron. Thanks, everybody. We're back, and we're actually answering questions from the chat room right now. Cameron, are there any more questions from the chat room, or? Uh, yeah, we had a we have a couple more. The first one is from Schizo. and he asked, "Do you guys think that simply writing great and compelling content will?" Will that rise to the top of the stacks at sites like Dig, Reddit, and the rest of the social networking sites? 
Or, on the other hand, Jason Calacana seems to think that no promotion of any sorts is necessary. However, that's not been my experience, so he wants it to know our opinion on that. Yeah, I think it, it's clear that that great content is a baseline, but, you know, again, you've got to wrap it up in a, a headline that catches people's attention, and then you've got to promote it. I mean, you know, Jason is living in a in an ivory tower, you know, and it happens when people are successful. He doesn't understand what it's like for people that are, you know, trying to just getting started out or don't have his clout uh, in the industry. It takes a lot of work to get noticed. Yes, you have to have excellent content, and yes, if you consistently create it, you're going to get noticed. But like I said, you know, when I first started Copy Blogger, I had to work it, too, to get people to, to know that I was there. And then once people knew uh, that I was around, I kept delivering on content, and it all took care of itself from there. But even now, I mean, you, you have to be strategic about things, especially with Dig. Um, you know, it, if you just write a great piece of content and you're, you think it's probably a good... Um, candidate for for dig you think it has a good chance on dig you don't want just anyone to submit it because they could submit it with some terrible headline and some ridiculous description and game over because you can't resubmit right you know it's it would be a good url so um if if you want to get on the homepage of dig it makes sense that uh that you need to be strategic about controlling that as opposed to just hoping it happens on its own. Well, maybe, Neil, maybe you want to answer this, but how would how would a person go about finding a top digger or an experienced digger to dig their materials without like contacting them and offering them money or like some kind of bribe or something like that? Like how can people get those top diggers to to come across their stuff and submit it? Well, I think this goes back to how important networking is. Um, I'm not personally a top dig user, but just because I network behind the scenes with people, I've met several of them, you know, and they actually read my blog. So, but the, and the cool thing is they'll usually hit me up on IM and say, I think I'm going to submit this to dig. So they at least, you know, give you a heads up. Um, or, I guess, if I really think I've got something that is great, I might present it to them and say, hey, what do you think? And it's funny, because sometimes they'll think it's good, but it's not going to make it, and it does anyway. So, you know, it never hurts to try. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You, you can't just go pay these people off, and that's what's causing such a big problem with Dig. I mean, it's a lot of so, – social media marketing is amazing on what you can accomplish for – very little money compared to traditional advertising, but it still takes work, you know. Um, you, you need to take time to network with people uh, that are related to your niche. If you want to get involved with DIG, join the community and, you know, try to, to make friends with people. You know, it's social media. It's just like offline life, uh, exemplified online. So the more people you know, the better off you are. And the other thing that's happened with my experience is you get on Dig once uh, with Pronet Advertising, our blog. The first article that I got on Dig was something like Google's growing list of domains. 
So what I try to do is I try to search the web and find literally every single domain that they own. And granted, the list wasn't 100% accurate, but it got on Dig. No one powerful submitted or anything like that. It just naturally did really well because people on Dig like Google. And I didn't even expect it right. to get on Dig, and it was something that happened, you know, late in the middle of the night. And what happened after that was, after you get on Dig once, a lot of the other submitters will end up noticing your site. And if you keep yeah. on getting on, what they end up doing is subscribing to your RSS feed. So make it really easy to, for them to subscribe to your RSS feed. And then that way, you know, hopefully a lot of the other top diggers start submitting your own stuff, you know, if they see that you have great content or yeah, content that, that they like. That's an excellent point. Yeah. I mean, that's an excellent point because you can't just create great content in a vacuum. Um, if, if you want to get on, on the front page of Dig, you know, it has to, it has to fit with, with the community to a certain degree. Um, you know, you're never going to please everyone on Dig. Um, especially, you know, some people on Dig don't like blogs. It doesn't matter what you write. They just don't like the fact that it's on a blog. Um, but that's okay because there's enough bloggers on Dig who do <laughs> obviously like blogs. So, you know, people, I know a lot of people get upset by how nasty the comments can be and whatnot. And in fact, the first couple times I had big digs, um, I got a little annoyed by the comments as well. And, I, you know, you, you tend to get offended. But then you have to stop and think about it and, like, this shouldn't bother you at all. You know, as long as ultimately you get to the home page, your content has been voted um, as as good, and no matter that a few people are saying nasty things about it. So you have to have kind of a thick skin. But, you know, I think what, what Neil said is important. Um, in the first time he got on Dig, he wrote something that he knew they loved. I mean, that that's Dig or that's Reddit or that's, uh, Netscape, or it's anything, and it goes well beyond social media. You always have to figure out what your target audience is interested in, if you have any chance at all of getting them to take notice. So really, it is basic principles of marketing transferred over into content. Sure. So uh, thanks, guys, for answering that. We have uh, we have another question coming in from the chat room. It's from Schizo again. He says, What's more important, writing well or having a unique position? Probably having a unique position. Um, writing very badly will hurt you, um, but you know there's certainly a lot of people who are successful, very popular bloggers who don't write with perfect in, perfect grammar or anything, but they have a voice um, that is very distinctive. They offer valuable content, and they have their own approach to it. So, you know, I'm a big fan of, of great writing, but it's, it's more important um, that you understand, number one, what is the audience is looking for, and number two, um, you still have to know how to say certain things, again, going back to headlines and whatnot. But from there, I don't think it's critical that you write like a Rhodes Scholar. I mean, the best copy is really very simple, no big words. Um, it's just very straightforward and clear. If you can write with clarity, it's more important than being grammatically correct. But yes, I think it, it's, you need to have a unique angle and um, be able to give people what they want. 
Yeah. Cool. So we're pretty much almost out of time. Was there any last questions, Cameron? Yeah, we actually we actually had one more question that came in just a minute ago. It was from uh, Jim. He says, what social networking sites do you guys think are the best for non-tech-related topics? Because it seems like Dig is slanted towards the uh, tech gaming industry. Well, Dig has, you know, obviously added several um, different sections lately. Um, but, of course, tech still dominates. Tech news is where all the action is. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think, you know, that's just kind of the way Dig is. It'll be interesting to see going forward how all of this fragments um, into, uh, you know, personally, I don't think Dig can necessarily grow to some some monster beyond what it is. I mean, it, it is the playground for... 18 to 30-year-old males who are into technology and gaming and Apple and hating George Bush. But you're going to see these similar type of sites show up in all sorts of different niches. Um, it's just going to take a while. So, you know, e even Reddit is a distinctive different personality, wouldn't you say, Neil? It, no, I, I agree with you. It's really different. And there are some similarities, but it's just a whole different type of user base and they think differently and the commenters are you know sometimes they're nice on reddit and sometimes they're meaner so it just really varies and a lot of these audiences are different just like netscape and dig netscape's a lot more political and a lot of more right. of an older audience than dig right and it's too bad that netscape isn't bigger than it is but yeah, um, they're growing they have like over a little more of a hundred thousand users i believe i could be wrong but they're around there so but, yeah, that's pretty much it. We're running out of time. So uh, thank you, Brian, for being on the show. And My pleasure, hope everything guys. Goes, yeah, I hope everything goes well with you for your book that's coming out. So uh, take care, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Rush Hour. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>